Before we dive into today's episode, I want to share with you some exciting news about my new book, Who's in Your Backyard? In Who's in Your Backyard, I communicate key strategies to build multi-generational teams, turning your ministry around one volunteer at a time. This book is a must-read for pastors and leaders as there are generations in the local church today that are crying to be heard. They want to be used, they want to be poured into, they want to serve, but will you recognize their voice? I am convinced this is a must-read resource. You can purchase your copy today at clintonkpile.com or wherever books are sold. Welcome to the Ignite, Empower, and Transform podcast with Clinton K. Powell. I'm your host, Clinton K. Powell, and my goal is to unlock your human potential, removing self-imposed barriers so you can lead in your church and in your business. It is my hope that at the end of this episode, your purpose is ignited, your vision empowered, and your life will be transformed. If you enjoyed this episode, I want you to like it, to subscribe, and share it with your friends and family. In the meantime, enjoy the episode. My brother, my brother, my brother, Terrence, Terrence, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing, man? Man, I'm good, Clinton. Thank you for having me. It is an honor and a privilege. We've been chopping it up for a long time. And um, anytime I get to get on something with you, I know it's going to be special, man. So thank you for having me today, bro. Man, not a problem. It's I know we were talking about this in a little pre-show area, but I remember when Ben first said, hey, man, you got to get to know my boy Terrence. <laughs> and I said, who buddy is? You, you know you, you know how I get down sometimes. Who uh-huh. buddy is? I said, oh, from Trinity. I remember Brother Terrence. So I know it's been a long time coming. Our mutual friend, shout out to uh, Benjamin Johnson yes, um, for connecting us. But it's definitely a connection I appreciate. I appreciate it, brother. I appreciate you as a leader, as a role model for for individuals out here trying to do their best um thinking outside the box that's one thing i love about you thinking outside the box and you allowing god to do his thing so it's an honor to have you on this podcast today and to have a great conversation with you so let's kick it off right sir in two sentences or less just give the listeners give give us a, a a brief overview of who terrence is Man, that's hard. You asked a pastor to speak in two sentences or less. That's impossible right there. I, I, listen, I can't even get an altar call in in that time. Listen. Okay. <laughs> two sentences or less. Um, I can, I can do you better. Um, I love God. I love my family. I love to help people. And I love to tell stories. That was four sentences, but they were all short. So that, 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 that's fine. I can go with that. And I think the the storytelling element, first of all, I'm going to say this. You, you're not going to be a stranger to this podcast. You, I'm setting you up for, for, for future episodes. So just put, put that in perspective right there. But well, you said you love telling good. stories. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's one of the things that makes you different. The way you are able to tell story, we're going to get into your the fashion the way you're able to tell a story with your art and the way you're able to tell a story with, with, with cool church. And then when you, the way able you, the, the, how you're able to tell stories when you preach, I think that is just phenomenal, phenomenal. So I'm, yeah. let me give people a little background. So Terrence, or Pastor Terrence, let's be official. I know just my brother, but- we, I mean, we, we, You call we, me T, you know how it is, man. <laughs> you're casual with all that stuff, man. I think T- one of the things that really made me, you was a part of Rendezvous with Trinity, right? Yep. Um, and I attended one of the first VU conferences, but it was something that stood out to me that blew my mind. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, it's my understanding that you was one of the brainchilds behind this. Do you remember that movie, Hangover? Yeah. <laughs> you guys took the trailer from Hangover and you turned that into a sermon series it looked exactly like a trailer. I thought I was in the movie theaters. I thought, <laughs> look at here, this is about to go down. At that moment, I realized mm. it was something different about the talent there. And I'm hearing, and I'm, it is my understanding, you correct me, you was one of the creative minds behind that. Can you tell us about that experience? 
Yeah, for sure. So before I was a pastor, man, I've, I've been a creative my whole life. Um, I went to, Clint, you know this, but I went to school up in Baltimore, Maryland, uh, Maryland Institute College of Art. So I'm an artist by trade, um, pastor by calling. If you'd asked me, pastor would have been the last. It wasn't even on the radar for what I was supposed to do, but Come on, um, because I'm a creative by by trade, man, I love to tell stories. I was an illustrator first, and then I really started getting into film and different things like that. So when I when I actually jumped back into the to the church world, um, as I was uh, working at, as I left college and stuff, man, like I, I just was like, man, God, I want to use all these skills that I've been acquiring all these years, but I want to use them for you. So we started to back then, man, we were taking all kinds of movies and, and flipping them uh, as trailers for sermon series for the kingdom. I mean, we did we did Bad Boys, we did Miami Vices, uh, and then <laughs> the, thir the third installment of our crazy series just happened to be uh, the hangover because it was it was hot at the time like god's word is never going to change um but i do think the vehicles in which we deliver that word um are always changing and it's all about the story you you want to tell um storytelling is not new to the gospel that's all jesus did man he spoke in parables he spoke uh through stories to be able to deliver some very powerful truths to people so yeah man because i'm an editor uh, I just use those those skills in the kingdom to to grab hold of people's attention so that we can actually give them that gospel message that's life changing. Yeah, that's awesome, and and that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have this discussion with you. Um, it, it it's about how can you bring the marketplace, aka anything that's not church, right, mm -hmm. and you merge it together with faith. And I yeah. really believe in this season. And there's so many entrepreneurs, there's so many leaders that's out there now that have a creative spirit, but they don't mm -hmm. necessarily know how to combine it, or they may feel as though they may go too far um, in the quote unquote faith space. So I, mm -hmm. I love that balance that you're able to come or bring to the table. Can you talk about that? Did, yeah. did you ever have that conversation with yourself? Okay, this is too much, or I can't do this, or it's certain things that's absolutely not, I cannot cross that, that line. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, the good thing is, we, I mean, we were talking about youth and young adult ministry when we were doing a lot of that stuff, and we had a really good senior pastor that, man, he he reeled us in if he had to, but I, <laughs> I love him because he gave us the ability, and I tell my team this all the time, I say run far, run fast, run hard. If you get too if you get too crazy, I'll pull you back in. But I want to see that you're running because if you're running with a certain passion, if you're running at a certain distance, if you're running at a certain pace, I know, man, there's going to be levels of creativity that you hit that I could never get to. And the the, the one thing that always helped my conscience and what I was doing was this. Not not listen, man. I believe in holiness, all that stuff. So so don't don't mistake what I'm about to say for like that dude is wild. That dude is reckless. But I think so often in the church we have we always have the best message but we don't operate in the best means to deliver that message i always say vegas probably has the worst things to say but they got the best way to say it mm -hmm. and, and 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 the thing that that has always put me at ease is this and i and i i teach this and i preach this and i believe this i don't just get inspired from god's word i get inspired from god's world everything in the world belongs to god what does the enemy do? He takes it. He flips the script. He perverts it. Man, I can redeem anything in God's world because he is a creator of everything. The devil never created anything in his life. He can't. All he can do is manipulate and change things. So I believe it's my job as an effective believer, as a creative believer, to redeem these things that the world may look at as, as secular, which that's a funny word just to even talk about, but things that the world may use as secular and redeem them for the glory of God because I'm not going to give the devil for creating because he cannot do it. It is not within his abilities. It is not within his skill set. He's a manipulator. He's a liar, but he's never been a creator. So anything that God puts out in the world, once again, I believe in God's word, but I also will look at God's world to be inspired um, uh, creatively. That's so huge because when I hear you say that, I, it forces you to realize ownership and it forces you to recognize a creator. Absolutely. And, and, and you have to put things in perspective. Satan was a created being, therefore he cannot create. God exactly. is God is the creator. So he, if, if it exists, it is God who created it and it is the devil who changed it 
manipulated it so mm -hmm. that it could be anti-God. That's good right there. I think that's a that'll preach in itself. That'll definitely preach in itself. So you 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 talking about and I also love the the best message. The church to me have the best message, but not necessarily the best delivery. Mm -hmm. So as an artist, as a creative, what expression do you enjoy the most? Because I know you 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 have a lot of talent between video production, painting, sketching. Um, what out of those, which one do you enjoy the most? Yeah, it, it it fluctuates, man. Like when I was a kid, I would say that I was I was a draftsman. Like I would just draw all day long. Mm -hmm. um, my love for movies has always contributed to that love of storytelling. So when I finally got my master's, it was in digital arts because I, I wanted to be a filmmaker. Like if if, oh, if wow. that that's what I thought I should be doing right now. God obviously had other plans. So I just like I like the the I guess the most creative vehicle for me is is telling a story how I tell that I tell it in different ways I, I like even when I'm preaching and I when I speak about communication I say don't be a siren be a roller coaster a siren is just loud all the time right it has one note it has one note the entire time but a roller coaster it it, it has lows it takes you on peaks it drops back down gives you those fast drops it takes you on twist and turns it it's a climax and there's a resolution to it because it finally ends. So yeah. whatever I do creatively, I look at it with that model. Am I just hitting one note or am I taking people on a journey with the way that I tell a story? It might be in the inflection of my voice. It might be in the stroke of a pencil. The weight of the stroke tells a story. Thin lines to thick lines, dark shading to light shade. It all tells a story, um, but you have, to, you have to see it like that. So honestly, it's hard for me to pick a favorite because I flow throughout all of them more so these days um, than I than I did as a youth. But man, you put a paintbrush in my hand, I'm gonna tell you a story. Put a pencil in my hand, I'm gonna tell you a story. If all I got is my mouth, I'm gonna tell you a story. So, so I can see. Well, th th this is a good testament to that. Just because you start with something doesn't mean you're gonna finish with the same thing. That's right. And things right. may change as you mature. Your giftings mature, your likings uh, adjust, and you you grow in that arena. So, based on what you just said, because you, you talked about the film, you talked about the painting. So, mm -hmm. how did cool creative come out of that? How how yeah. how, did you, how did you get into that space right there? Yeah, so uh, that's that's a beautiful. I mean, honestly, cool creative is a love story. It's the story between me and my wife. So we met each other in art school. Um, but the thing about that was, uh, while we were in school, uh, we just developed this love for each other. Me and, me and her have been together for 22 years now, married for 14, but together for, for 22. The beautiful thing about that is we always knew some way, somehow along in our life that some business would come out of us creating together. So we're both like classically trained artists. And the thing about her and me is that we always brought the best out of each other creatively. The biggest fights I've ever had with her or with anyone are creative fights. It's like where we just can't gel, but I love it because out of those, out of those beautiful, uh, hard discussions, we've always created uh, beautiful things together, but we had to go through something. So once again, it's a story. It's like creativity didn't just come out. We had to butt heads. We had to. We had to. We had to shift. We had to change. We had to compromise, and together we created something beautiful. And in 2008, um, we started to kind of freelance and do different things. While I was a pastor, she was working at a creative business. And in 2012, um, we finally decided to launch Cool. And the way we came up with the word Cool is that we figured one. Um, everything that we've ever done that was amazing creatively, we did it together. So we started to create out of our love for mm -hmm. each other. But in turn, we always recognize that creativity, though may have God, God may have used us together to create something beautiful. The source of our creativity was him. So then we started to say, hey, God's the greatest artist of all time. And he created us out of his love. And everything that we that we create, we create out of a love for each other. So since we're in this business together, hey, let's call it cool. We're, we're, we create out of love. And that's really how it developed. So out of out of our love story, man, we, we always knew that we were going to do something together. And our passion for creativity in each other created cool. 
Man, as you were speaking, I would start visualizing a documentary, a docu series. Come on, I'm putting put it putting it out there. I'm, I'm putting it out there right now. My wife is TV. <laughs> Between my wife and my daughter, they're real good for TV. I'm boring, but the camera will stay on there for most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> so with the since since you acknowledged the fact that you you that God is the ultimate creator. Mm-hmm. So now you are in this fashion industry and I have my experience with fashion industry on more on the production side, mm-hmm. um, producing shows, um, producing events, doing dinner with the models and all those things. That's not a really faith friendly <laughs> That's not really a faith friendly industry. So do you see it being difficult being in the market space that you're in right now of fashion, do you see some difficulty as a man of faith and as a pastor? Well, once again, because because I draw such inspiration from the world that God has created, um, I, I'm not, honestly, I don't find it tough. I will say there are certain situations that that I do keep myself out of on purpose because yeah, yeah. I, I know me and I think a person with, without boundaries is going to be fatally flawed and they're going to be exposed at some point. So yeah, man, I do have, I do have boundaries, man. There's just certain things I stay away from, but um, I, I think the other part about it is my accountability and it comes into the fact that I'm doing it with my wife. Yeah. So because we're doing it together, there's a lot of accountability that she has for me and I, and I have for her. Um, but the, the art of it, man, like when you when you look at the, especially at the fashion industry, a lot of it has to do with the form, the physical form of a person. Yeah. And man, I was really healed of a lot of those ills when I was younger, because once again, when you go to a school where you're classically trained, I mean, you're dealing with anatomy constantly, drawing new figures, this, this, and that. So like the way we look at the form is different than, right. you know, just a person coming in that doesn't have a trained eye that's gonna look at, a, that might look at a form in a lustful way. I'm not necessarily looking at, at it like that. I'm just trying to see how things fall and how things lay on people. Now I'm a man, so I'm not gonna try to sit here and act holier than thou, but I'm just saying like, when I'm thinking about the human form artistically, there's just a lot of those, those things that aren't in my mind. And once again, having my wife as the accountability there, that that always helps, man. When you do it together, we set we set our boundaries so we know how far in things uh, that we want to go. But I mean, even with that being said, our clothing has, has gotten on people um, and been promoted by people that, you know, I know Christians will look at and say, oh man, oh wow, why, you know, why are you working with this person? And why are you working with that person? And I'm like, are they not allowed to wear clothes? I'm like, here's the thing. The beautiful thing about wearing them wearing something that, that we create is I know what goes into it. I know the prayer that's gone into the garment. I know the anointing that's gone into the garment. So there's people that are literally walking around in something that's anointed and they don't even realize it. And I believe that if you don't begin to plant those seeds uh, in the world, how can you ever begin to see the fruit manifest? There, we, want, we want to talk a lot about people that we think live reckless lives because they're in certain industries. But at the same time, are believers planting seeds in those spaces for those folks to change? This is the opportunity that I have by working in that industry. Yeah, no, that's definitely good. That's definitely good. So you you mentioned that, and I and I recognize, quote unquote, the people of faith, the church. Mm-hmm. Um, once they recognize or you ex- acknowledge that you are a person of faith, and then you venture off into certain marketplaces, mm-hmm. there's a different level of expectation that comes with it. Yeah, it's a. But Terrence, you're a pastor, so why are you allowing your clothes to be wearing? Why do you even want an artist? So I'm, I'm going to take two seconds to brag because cool clothing have been on some very high-profile individuals. Yeah. You know, and how do you mix the two? You answered majority of that, but what advice would you give to an entrepreneur or even a pastor who feels, who acknowledges that, hey, I will go into the marketplace. What advice would you give to them as how to handle those conversations or how to take that journey? I mean, the number one advice, and I know people have said this all the time, but I really want them to understand like the the 
the way to what I'm saying is like, you really just have to be yourself because here's what happens. You get into these situations with these high profile people. One, you got to remember they are a person just like you. That's one. They need the same Jesus you need. But let me tell you something that has never happened by people finding out I'm a pastor. Because when I go into the space, like, you know, the clothes don't necessarily say Jesus on them. So it's not, it's, it's not as, as outright. Like I, we draw historically um, um, black icons and, you know, different things like that. So when we get into the spaces, people like the clothes, they develop a conversation. You know what's never happened to me? This has never happened. Somebody finds out that I'm a pastor. I'm not hiding it, but somebody finds out, man, yo, you know, I follow you on the gram, da, 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 and I see like you into this preaching thing too. Let me tell you what's never happened. They haven't found out who I really am and not like what we do still. Mm. That's what I want. Like, like I'm not scared to be myself. My clothes will speak to the excellence in which I pursue everything I pursue. And when you finally meet me, what is going to do, what God always does, which is why I know I'm getting in those rooms, it's going to allow me an opportunity to have a conversation that might not be being had in those spaces. And when I get in there, I don't know who I am. I am who I am with everybody that I am it. And the reality is, it's like, hey, if you like it, cool. If you don't, even if they don't like or believe what I believe, they still respect me. Yeah. So I'm to be this. So my advice would be is like, man, don't go in there trying to be something you're not. No, go in there as your authentic self because re the reality is one, it will be revealed. You can't hide forever. And two, people will always respect you for being you. Because here's the thing, they're not changing who they are. There you go. <laughs> Why am I changing who I am and they're not changing who so, you know. I think that's a big misconception that as people of faith, we tend to be the one that's willing to change mm. in order to feel some, to allow someone else to feel better. Yeah. We're the yeah. one that's going to cower down. We're the one that's going to be silent. Mm -hmm. um, we're the one that's not going to really express how we feel or who we are. But to mm. your point, if you allow yourself to be who you are, regardless who you stand in front of, got to figure out the rest. And if they don't, quote unquote, respect you for your faith, they still like what you're bringing to the marketplace. So they have to deal with you anyway. And the truth of the matter is, Clint, I live more Jesus than I talk. Oh, so that so that's going to that's going to that's going to matter. Like, I think people feel like, oh, man, when I get in front of so and so. I'm about to give my testimony. I'm about to get, I'm like, yo, don't get first. They ain't even ask you for all that. They said, hi, right? When they say hi, like, you know, you don't, don't come like, like, like when they say hi, say hello. Like, like, I think Christians get so weird, man. It's like, be, be a normal human being. Your life will speak for itself. And I, I can imagine, um, as you, as you telling um, the story here, I can imagine you and Joe, when you guys met T.I., I, I oh, can yeah. imagine you doing the same exact thing that you're saying right now, because yeah. I've met T.I. before, and just like any, any anybody else, just like how you mentioned, they already know they're famous, so they don't need you to tell them that they're famous. Nope. They're here for a mission. They're here for either for a specific purpose. You treat them for that specific purpose and you keep it going. If it's, if it's meant to establish a relationship, it will. If it's not, we met. We may see each other again down the road, but hey, we met and let's keep it moving. Absolutely. I think, I think a lot of, I think a lot of uh, Christian folks are really bad at reading a room. It's like when you go in, like, and you know this, as a communicator, the first thing you got to do, you got to read the room. You will literally say things in your communication to gauge where the room is. Yeah. You know, you got to, I love reading uh, even the New Testament, man. And we hear about Paul and we hear about Peter and we see all these grandstand speeches that they make, but they never make a speech out of turn. They wait until the opportunity presents itself for them to say or defend their faith. They're not just like, walking in, hey man, y'all need to get y'all like, no man, like I, I even read, um, I was reading the other day as it pertains, as it pertains to Paul and as the Pharisees and the Sadducees were, were, um, were, were blaming him for inciting riots, right? Paul actually speaks out of turn at one point and he realizes, and he actually like apologizes and says, hey man, my bad for speaking out of turn 
in the court. Why? Because they were able to read the room. And although they knew what they had to say was right, they waited for their turn and they were respectful as they did it. If we can just take some of those cues into everyday conversations, people won't push us away, but they'll be more receptive to what we got to say. No, absolutely. I definitely believe that. I definitely understand that as well. So let, let, let's continue on this journey. Yep. So cool is, is, is in your DNA. Cool is, is you bleed it, you drink it, you sleep it. Mm -hmm. So much so that you decided to launch a church. <laughs> the name of the church is Cool Church. Yep. Talk to me about that process in deciding to name the church Cool. Yeah, it, I mean, one, you know, we were sent out on mission to 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 plant a church by, uh, I mean, I love my, my my senior pastor, Pastor Rich Wilkerson Sr., learned a lot from him. Uh, it's one of the most, one of the greatest blessings of my life. But he sent us out, and we could have called the church a lot. We could have called it Trinity Miramar. We could have called it a lot of different things. Um, but because cool is a part of the culture of who we are, I just, once again, as we, as we were planting, this was an opportunity to, for, for me and my family to be our full authentic selves. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not trying to say we are cool in the sense of the word that everybody uh, would think about it is. But once again, when we say we're cool, we're understanding and we're acknowledging our creator first. So yeah. really for me, cool is a humble play. Like, for the business, it means create out of love. But in the church uh, standpoint, it means created out of love. Why am I created out of love? Well, why we were yet sinners? Christ died for us. We're not just created out of love. We're created by love. God is love. But then we're created for love. We got to love each other, right? So I wanted to be able to really take um, what was in our hearts based upon the relationship that me and my wife have with each other, our family, and based upon the family of heaven that we know we're a part of, and we wanted to apply that to God's family. And if you know anything about Cool Church, the mission is to build strong families and build strong futures. Well, when you know that you're created to love, then man, the only thing you want to do is make everybody you come in contact with family. And even the way we talk, I always say we're fam. I'm like, oh, what's up, bro? Or, you know, with ladies, I'm like, what's up, sis? The reason I do that is because, man, I got a mission to make God's family as big as, as, big as possible, man. So... Yeah, man, cool just translates and it's and it's easy. I feel like if you have to, you should never have to force something, man, like that that God puts on your heart. I'm not saying you don't have to fight for things that God puts on your heart, but you shouldn't have to force it. It should, it should yep. flow. There's a difference between force and fight. Um, and I believe that, you know, God has has put us on mission and on purpose to to build this family. And man, we're trying to make, listen, I ain't just trying to build a cool church. I'm trying to build a cool world a world where people understand they're created out of love, so. Yeah, listen, when I first heard the name, I said, they got something special there. It just rolls off your tongue, cool. Church. Well, we get a lot of flack for it too, if it, if it makes you. Also, no, no, I, no, trust me, I, you, you know the saints. Yeah, the saints don't yeah. come for you. The saints don't definitely yeah. come for you. Oh, what is cool, what, why is, anyway, we, we could go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, it just, I think you're speaking to a specific generation, mm -hmm. right? And then the generation before who understands the wisdom of what you're doing, they mm -hmm. rock with you. Yes. And, and, and as a leader, you have been able to connect with your generation, mm -hmm. connect with the generation before you, connect with the generation after you. That's it. What are some of the leadership traits that you believe have been key to your success thus far as a as a lead pastor? Yeah, I think I think there's a there's a few. Um, and I was I'll, I'll say this. One, um, I believe that you have to empower leaders. Good. Empowerment is key. Because at, at the end of the day, you can give somebody a task and they might accomplish it. But if you give them a vision, Oh man, and you say, listen, I'm gonna give you the what. I don't care how I don't care how you do it. Yeah. I'm, I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give you what. Here's the mission. If you choose to accept it, how you want to do it is up to you. You know how empowering that is? 
that you're not over somebody's shoulder when you're trying to build something. Just like, wait, you trust me? You trust my ideas on how to do something? Man, that is one of the most empowering things. So you always cast vision, but you don't micromanage vision. You give people the what, you let them come up uh, with, with the how. Um, I always I always believe that's 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 a, a heavy uh, a heavy leadership principle because like I said if you give a leader a task yeah they'll they'll might they might accomplish it but if you give a, a leader a, a vision what they will do is create a system in order to not just accomplish it but to make it to sustain it and to grow it which is beautiful so I always I love to empower em, leaders leadership empowerment is is key. Don't just delegate. Don't just delegate task. Delegate authority. That's the that that would probably be the snippet that I give you. Don't delegate a task. Delegate authority. The second thing I'll say is culture is everything. Culture. You have culture whether you realize it or not. And Clint, I know you've heard me say this, man. And I didn't make this up, but you're gonna get culture by default or by design. Yeah. Why not dictate it and 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 instead of allowing it to dictate you? whatever you whatever your culture is the people that follow you they will have that same culture because you always attract what you are so if you have issues with the folks that are following you guess where they got it from you and that old that old commercial with with, with johnny when he was doing drugs and the mom walks in the room and she, and, and mom says where do you get that from and johnny's like i learned it by watching you that's the culture that was set <laughs> i remember that so mom can't be mad because mom set the culture so you, the good thing about culture is you can shift it, you can correct it, and you can change it. But then the last thing I'll say that goes back to delegating authority, uh, when you delegate authority, um, I always believe, man, it's best idea in the room and it doesn't have to be mine. My team is always, my team and my family is empowered. I've cast vision for team. I've cast vision for family. How are we going to get there? Hey, let's all figure it out. But guess what? My way doesn't have to be the highway. That, that, that leadership mentality, my way or the highway, yeah. That's something more shifts than the Titanic. Yeah. No, you cast vision and then you allow people to be built up in that vision, in that culture by figuring out new ways. So I'm always like, hey, best idea in the room. You know how good people feel when they realize it was their idea that got us to where, where they had to go? Man, that that those are always been principles that I've stuck with even before I was a senior pastor. But now that I am a senior pastor, they're helping me empower and build teams on levels I never did before. Listen, all, all we, we could speak at length about all of those. Mm. Empowering leaders, culture is everything. And I summarize the third one to best idea in the room wins. That's it. Mm -hmm. those, those three, and regardless if you're a pastor, regardless of your leader, you're a small business owner, entrepreneur, yeah. if you are dealing with any, anything with teams, those three things will be crucial for you. So how did you... I, see when you look at you, you know you look real young. <laughs> Thank God. You, well, I am young, Clint. Well, well, you know what I'm saying. I'm, I'm trying to go somewhere. I'm trying to go somewhere. I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> how do you? How did Terrence become the leader that Terrence is today? What resources? It's a two part. What resources or what? Uh, who were your influencers? Uh, who influenced you the most to make you the leader you are today? So resources. So if you could be specific, because here's the thing too, we are a content-driven society right now. We want mm -hmm. content, content. I'm a firm believer right now. I think we have too much content and no execution, but that's another podcast for itself. That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. But if you can share today, what resources, it could be a book, it could be a blog, it could just be the word of God. What resources have helped establish who you are as a leader and what individuals have influenced you as well? Both great questions. I'll give you a couple books that if you are a leader and you have not read these books, you should. The first book I would say is called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. The funny thing is I'm, at, I'm like preaching um, um, some uh, message here is right now called rhythm. I believe to establish rhythms of life, you have to um, develop powerful habits. Um, and when you have keystone habits, they will trigger all of the habits that you that you have throughout the day. Um, what you want to get into is a is a habit cycle. And the way you create a habit cycle 
is by having something that triggers the habit, then you have the actual routine that is the habit and then you have to reward yourself for the habit. Mm. And if you get into those habit cycles, you'll find that you are less busy and more effective. One of the things I've always said as leaders, I don't wanna be busy, I wanna be effective. A lot of people run around, but they ain't doing nothing, right? So we don't wanna be busy, we wanna be, be effective. So how can you be effective? Create powerful habits. You must create power. So Power of Habit, um, Power of the Habit by Charles Duhigg is a great book. Craig Rochelle preaches and teaches from that book all the time. That's where the first person I ever heard talk about it, made me read it, changed my life. Um, the second book, which is not written by a, at least a Christian author, at least not that I know about, um, but it's a creative. His name is Ed Catmull, and he wrote a book called Creativity, Inc. Ed Catmull is the head of Pixar, and he breaks down how um, the Pixar group not only were the first to do a full-length um, computer animated movie, but if you ever watch a Pixar movie, they don't miss. They Every single one is amazing. I mean, you talk about Up, you talk about the movie that uh, just came out, Soul. I mean, they, they have, they just hit after hit after they, hit. Uh, Pixar. They have a different, they have a, well, it definitely seems to be a different demographic than Disney. Yes. It's a different age demographic uh, mm -hmm. along those. But I just saw Soul recently and it blew my mind. Yeah, so Ed, Ed Catmull would be the guy behind Pixar. And like he he was the guy behind the team structure. He was he was brilliant tech uh, uh, technically with his with computer science, but he was more about team building and the way he structures teams is ridiculous. Like uh, here's things that I use something real practical from the book. It's like man when I when I have meetings, I don't have a long boardroom table, long a uh, rectangular table because people automatically assume that the person that sits at the head of the table is the person in power. And then the people around the edges all feel intimidated by those people. So they started getting, uh, creating tables where everybody was equidistant at the table, whether it was circle, whether it was square, everybody had the same proximity from one another. So the power in the room begins to shift and people feel more empowered to give their ideas. And Kat, before I started, before I started the church, I read that book and it changed the way that we do teams. So like we, we, we don't even call our office and we don't have an office, we have a loft, right? So it's a, it's a vibe, man. Like we create an atmosphere in there and everybody's comfortable in it. And we promote feedback, uh, positive and constructive. Like we, like all those things come from that book. So Creativity Inc. Um, that will help you in any business. I promise you, not just creatively and um, Power of Habit. Those two books, phenomenal. Um, people, that influenced my life the most. One is mom. Uh, nobody has more grit. Mm. This woman survived cancer 20 plus years. I mean, she's a fighter. She taught me how to pray. She put she she took me to church when I didn't want to go. I love Jesus because that woman showed me the way. And yeah. she didn't just say it. She she lives it and still lives it today. Um, Pastor Rich Wilkerson Sr. He made church fun. My mom made church mandatory. <laughs> but he made church fun. He was the first pastor I ever preached that made me laugh in church. I'm like, wait, is this okay? Is this all? And, he, and he's a brilliant storyteller. Nobody tells a story to this day better than that man. And that inspired, it spoke to me because that's what I like to do. Um, and, uh, thirdly, my, my wife, um, nobody hustles harder than her. She's a, she's a phenomenal business mind. She, she, will, she will figure out what your Z is you might be standing at A. She'll ask you, what do you want to get to? What's your Z? And she will reverse engineer your course to get you to where you get. She's yeah. that person. That takes she, a lot of talent. She's a brilliant thinker. My life is better because of her. And my, I mean, those three people, hands down. And I got mentors in my life right now. Uh, Bishop Courtney McBath, phenomenal. Um, I'm on calls with him a couple times a month. Uh, Keith Crabb, brilliant business, my and pastor different people like that, that have, that have influenced me for sure. But those are my, those are my top three. Okay. So this is, this is, this is a great conversation. Um, definitely want to honor your time. So I'm going to go into this section with some closing questions. So okay. these are some entertaining questions, something to, 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 to highlight a different side of you being a creative. Yep. Have you ever seen a church 
do something or in their either in their presentation, their social media, whatever they display. That you talked about the church had the best message, but the delivery is just not is not always the best. Mm-hmm. Have you ever experienced and you just start scratching your head? What in the world are you doing? Yes. Uh, as a, as a younger man, it bothered me more. Okay. It's funny though, as a senior pastor, the, the grace that you have for people, it, it changes and it shifts. And I'm going to tell you why. Um, I'm a, I, I believe, I believe in excellence. If you're looking on the, the board behind me, the value that I've taught my child is, is excellence, is integrity. Do the right thing when nobody's watching. Like you're always doing the right thing. If, if somebody's going to see it or not, you're going to do it the right way. Yeah. So I used to get upset about things that churches did stylistically. And that's not actually fair or right. Um, because the beautiful thing about style is that there's somebody out there that likes it, which is why it's being done. Mm. Where I get frustrated now is not in the style because I think all styles are necessary to reach all people. I become all things to all men that I might win one, right? I think styles are necessary. I don't have to like the style for it to be for it to be effective. What I do have a gripe about though is no matter what style you pick, if it's not done in excellence, don't do it. Like some people just do things because that's what's happening and that's what people are doing. And what happens is they extend themselves further than, than they're actually ready for. And they end up trying to do too much and they don't do anything well for we, we didn't, for the longest time, we didn't live stream, not because we didn't want to, not because we couldn't. I'm just like, we're not going to do this well yet. I'm still trying to figure out how to have a normal live service before we live stream, you know, and obviously (laughs) 20, you know, 2020 came COVID-19 hit and we had to figure it out. But for the first, you know, for the first year, we didn't even touch. There was things we just didn't even touch at our, oh, y'all ain't got a men's ministry or women's ministry yet? No, because I just want to figure out our culture and make sure we know how to do church properly before. We didn't start our church with a youth group. We started with kids and Sunday service. And we began to add on as we grew because we knew, okay, we got this down. Now we have more teams so that we can make this part excellent. My gripe with churches, it's not what they are doing stylistically, but it is them doing things that they're not ready for and they do not do them in excellence. And when you don't do them in excellence, they won't survive anyway. Oh, I agree with that. Uh, uh, Lack of excellence is a pet peeve of mine as well. Oh man, it frustrates me to no end. Definitely frustrates me to no end. So complete the statement for me. Yeah. 15 years ago, I had no idea this would be this difficult. 15 years ago, I had no idea it would be so hard to help people. Hmm. Because I found, especially in this season of life, so many people actually reject things that help them. Wow. And they got good. I mean, sometimes it's because of pride. There's so many reasons why people, but like there's been things that I have offered to do or I, I, and it's just like, we don't want that. We don't, it's okay. I'm good. So it's like, I, I feel like as a church, man, we got all this resource and we want to, but we, we want, and I'll give you an example of that. When, when COVID hit, we want to do this thing called cool crashers. And we was going to go uh, to people's houses, like, you know, like paired up, you know, mask on or whatever. It's like, Hey, you need something done in your house. We just, we're going to do it. We're going to cut your grass. We're going to clean your gutters. This is that. Oh, I already know where that's going. Yeah. We, we, we put out call thousands of calls to people in the church and you know what the response was? I'm good. We don't need that. We got some, we okay. We all right. We Listen. Okay. I'm like, wow. I thought I was doing something good. Yeah. See, and I, 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 I'm, I'm learning this. A gift is not a gift for someone if they don't want it. You might want to give somebody a gift, but if they don't want it, it ain't a gift for them. Nope. Sometimes it could even be a burden. Yep. So yeah, man, I, I'm, I, I'm realizing it's, it's harder to help people than you may think. Yeah, that's good. That's that, that, that's a note taker one right there. That, and it's not surprising because we experienced the same thing when we was trying to reach out, extend 
do so many things for people and it, it, the response was not well at all. Yeah. Do you have a favorite quote? And if you do, what is it? The Bible is right. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not even a quote that people say from him. No, nah, it's not. Like, but like, it's oh, it's like, I believe, I believe all of the Bible. I believe that there was a flood that Noah created an ark for. I believe in the Nephilim. I believe in the cherubim. I believe in the crazy stuff. I believe a tongues of fire dashing on people. I believe every single bit of it. The all giants, the angels that came down. If it's in the book, I believe it. I, I, I hear that. All. That's um, good. And I live by that. So Bible is right. I, I think um, if we were to actually believe the word of God holistically, I think many of us would be in a different situation. My God, it's changing my life, changing my life. So a couple more. So if I was to pick up your phone and your music playlist, who, <laughs> who, who would many people be surprised to find on there? All the Christians going to get mad. Okay, so uh, <laughs> they're going to get mad. Okay, so uh, there's... My gym playlist is Nipsey Hustle all day. Okay. Um, I, I'm a big Tupac fan, always have been. He, he says a line, he says, um, uh, my mission is to be more than just a rap musician. The elevation of today's generation, if I can make them listen. It's one of my favorite lines because oh, wow. he wanted to elevate beyond his his gift. He was like, man, if y'all just, just listen, like we could all elevate together. So he's always one of my top. Um, and Sam Cooke, Sam Cooke, man. Favorite song of all time is Chain yeah. Don't Come Back from Cook. All Sam, time. That's that's not many people will say Sam Cook. Oh, I, I play I play Sam Cook all the time. Wow. Touch I know Chain Don't Come, especially you know, the, the Amazon situation with Miami, uh one night in Miami. Right. See everybody, everybody on that now. So I had I had a I had a gallery show years ago back in Art Art Basel, and everybody that walked in, they weren't even commenting on art. They were commenting on the fact that Sam Cooke was playing the whole time. And I'm like, that's my favorite artist. I have I had songs playing like Touch the Hem of His Garment, you know. If I could touch the hem of his garment, you know that I'd be made whole. I can't yeah. sing. But like, I love Sam Cooke. Yeah, nah, that's well, that's the, that's definitely a keeper. And I you kind of gave me a spoiler because I was gonna ask you the 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 biggest hip hop question, Tupac or Biggie, but you already said you 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 will ride with Tupac? Easily. Oh, yeah. I love I love both. Biggie is is a better storyteller, but but Pac just said things that I mean he was I believe he he had a revolutionary spirit. And the problem with being a revolutionary and having a prophetic gifting, if it's not channeled in the right way, it'll lead you to destruction, which is what we saw with my I feel like if that he had some great mentors in one area of his life, man. I I, I bet if he'd have had some better spiritual mentors, I think one he'd still be here. And I think he would have had a much more profound impact on the generation because that brother had a gift that Listen, was not look at the, the impact he's had so far, oh man, it's, it's just amazing. It's, but to your credit and to your point, I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. So so you didn't really select one. You gave the, you gave the best of I, both. No, I give it a pop. I, I, listen, I, so, hey, I, hey, hey. You'll give it a pop. At me. Okay, perfect. No perfect. I don't care. Let's go. <laughs> So as you know, the name of the podcast is Ignite, Empower, and Transform. So when you hear those three words, what comes to mind? Ignite, Empower, and Transform. When I think about Ignite, Empower, Transform, I think about a fire. Um, to start a fire, you got to ignite it. You need a spark. I think everybody has a spark of creativity inside of them. They just have to tap into it. Hmm. Empower. Um, if you can contain fire, it provides power. Um, and that's used in so many different forms. It creates energy. So if you understand how to harness what you ignite inside of your soul, it will empower you and move you to do the things that God uh, has for you. And the last part of that question was transform. Yeah. That's the beautiful thing about fire. Even if it's rawest form, when you get close to it, it changes whatever comes around it. There's a there's a famous quote that John Wesley did not say, but everybody thinks that he says it. Actually, nobody knows who says it, but they always misquote John Wesley. He says, um, they think he said, I'm gonna set myself on fire 
so people could watch me burn. And man, if I could do anything in my life, I don't know who said that quote, but man, I want to set myself on fire. Um, and I want the world to see what comes out of it. People are attracted to fire. That's why they're attracted to pop. He had that passion, lit himself on fire. But see, our fire is different. And this is where your preacher comes out. I got a fire that's different. It's a Holy Ghost fire. And I know if I'm lit, the world will come and see. And they won't come to see me. They'll see. They'll come to see the one that lit me on fire. And his name is Jesus. So, Man, I, I couldn't have said it better. I appreciate it. Appreciate the insight. Appreciate the time of discussion. How can we stay in contact with you? How can we give us a social media? Yeah, I'm easy. <laughs> if you go on, if you go on social media and literally type in Terrence Wilson, my name, my, my profile will pop right up. I am T-E-R-R-A-N-C-E-W-I-L-S-O-N. Or you can go to We Are Cool Church. Um, that's the Instagram handle. Or you can go to Cool Creative or shop cool creative on instagram all those things you'll find us man sir brother i appreciate the time i appreciate your insight i think we covered a lot of great topics today that is going to definitely be beneficial to our listeners so appreciate it again mr terrence wilson man it's an honor it's an honor remember you're coming back i'm just letting you know you're coming back and then you and joe First all of right. all, Clint, you you family. So if you leave me, I'm going with you. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta have. Go. Yeah, I'm, I'm here, bro. Go. I'm here, bro. I appreciate it, brother. Much love. Well, I hope today's episode was both helpful and impactful. If you like what you heard and believe it added value to you, please take a moment to subscribe and share with your colleagues, friends, and family. You can also connect with me at clintonkpowell.com and find additional resources as well. Tune in to our next episode as we ignite your purpose, empower your vision, and transform your life. See you next time. Are you ready to ignite your purpose, empower your vision, transform your life, and lead in excellence? Well, I have the life-changing experience for you. One Voice Leadership Summit is coming to Miami, Florida, January 20th through 22nd. Join others on a path to unleash their power to win, as this three-day summit is what you've been praying for. 20 dynamic speakers, four general sessions, three masterclasses, six workshops, two networking luncheons, and eight on-demand teachings. This is an event you don't want to miss, and you can attend virtually and in person. Register for free, yes, for free today at onevoicesummit.com while tickets last.